severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job And welcome to episode 17 of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to say, because we've had some new listeners actually, which is amazing. It's always great to get new listeners and I love the support. But if you just started listening to the podcast in the last week or two, please consider going back and checking out some of our older episodes. We Now, you know, this is episode 17, so we've recorded quite a range of episodes now. So please consider checking them out. Some really interesting conversations with some really amazing creative people on this podcast so far. Also, wanted to quickly say a big thank you to everyone that's donated to our patreon page so far there's a link to that below the podcast but you'd now made 29 pounds which is really good actually my initial target was just to make enough to cover the podcast overheads and we have done that so thank you everyone basically we've now got enough to pay for Podbean, got enough to pay for our storage we've got enough to pay for our website which we'll be launching very soon so everyone that's donated so far thank you very much and if you can afford to donate please consider giving us a couple of quid a month towards the patron all the money we make will go back into this project and we'll give 10 percent to a different charity every month that will be a, a creative charity as well anyway we've got another good episode lined up for you guys today but first i would like to share a poem with you and as promised this is going to be my own work because the last few weeks i've been reading other people's poems but i thought today i will actually write something but to be fair i wouldn't say this is quite a poem it's maybe a monologue so I don't know if it qualifies as a poem, but it's something I've been working on, and it's about my granddad, which a lot of regular listeners will know. Uh, my granddad sadly passed away two months ago, and we were very close, and it's something I've talked about a lot on the podcast, because it's been a big part of my life the last few months, and, you know, it's a difficult time for everyone, and I think it's a very, you know, especially a difficult time to lose someone, and to grieve it is a hard time for that. So I just think it's important to have these conversations, and I think it's important for people to hear them, so it's something I'm really happy to talk about on the podcast, so a little poem I've been working on and the poem is called A Mutual Understanding and this is for you Grandad. Every time I'd walk through those gates your face would light up. Hello old buddy, without fail and then you'd point out that I'd left the gate open. I'd offer to go close it but you'd just ignore it and ask me things like got any washing? Got enough money? And then you'd tell me to make myself at home. But you didn't have to. I always did. Best pals. Sipping tea and eating biscuits. You always had a joke ready, or a bloody good story. About times gone by, about the good old days. Then it was my turn to talk, and I'd tell you about grand plans and and great escapes. It was easier back in my day, you like to say, but you'll get there. After eating a mountain of bourbons and several cups of tea later, we'd say our farewell. You'd ask me a million questions as you see me to the door. Where are you off to? What time are you working this week? How's the flat? Got a new girlfriend yet? And I'd try and fire off as many answers as I could, like your hero Dennis Law used to fire in the goals. We would shake hands, and you would quickly slip a tenner into my bag and proudly whisper, Whatever you do, don't tell your granny. And as I'd looked back, we'd both nod. A nod that said more than any words could, because we had an understanding, you and I, an unbreakable bond. And I'd always smile as I'd finally close the gate. Well, I hope you enjoyed my poem there. 
Uh, it was a hard one to read, but I'm glad I shared it. Without much further ado, it is time for this week's episode. And this week's guest is Brogan Thompson. And I know Brogan from my time at Screen Academy Scotland. She's a very talented screenwriter and a wonderful human being. And I really enjoyed our conversation. Hi, Brogan. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. No worries. Hello, hello. You look very cosy there. Yeah, I'm just um, in my little, in, in my bedroom, a little tiny bedroom, it'll do me. Not my car, like you were saying before. I know. When, <laughs> uh, when, when me and Brogan were at uni together and we had to do the course on Zoom when the pandemic was on, she would always be on Zoom classes, right? Brogan would always be in her car. So like, I kind of expected us to do this interview and that you would be in your car. No, I've got internet now. I've got internet. Yeah, I've just, I'm just uh, like, like we said, I'm just living the dream. Um, no car now. I've actually got like an actual bedroom that I can sit and do Zoom meetings. I know, you're in the 21st Amazing. century now. You've got, <laughs> got Wi-Fi. This 21st century, this is scary. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah, Brogan, you are a screenwriter, of course. That's how we know each other from our screenwriting course. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you. I've got plenty of things to, to chat about. So we start every conversation on the podcast by asking our guests what's the earliest creative memory you have so like do you remember when you like your earliest creative memories I mean it's going to be a lot earlier than this but um when I was 19 so I'm 28 now when I was 19 that was when I was sort of auditioning for drama school and stuff but that was my earliest that I can remember my earliest creative memory that um, I wanted to write something I wanted to write a tv series but it would have been a, a lot earlier than, than that because as a kid I was always telling stories but I just yeah. didn't realize so I was a bit of a loner, a bit of a weirdo. And my English teacher, Miss Lindsay, she would always read my stories out and she'd read them over the phone to her friends and stuff. And she'd tell me and I thought, oh, that's really nice. But, but yeah, and it's sort of like, oh my God, I really I really enjoy doing this. But um, yeah, so it's, that was the, that's the only thing I can remember. I think I've repressed my childhood, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I had a bad time at school. I was such a weirdo. I was on my own all the time, talking to rocks. You're just a storyteller from a young age, clearly. You know, you just had this yeah, gift. You know what, the, what the earliest creative, you know, you know, Toy Story. Yeah. Um, so I like Buzz Lightyear, Woody, the good old days when I was a kid. And I hung Buzz Lightyear on the washing line, right? And I went, <laughs> went away and I came back like an hour later and I went, what are you doing there? Like I was in Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that, that's a common answer on the podcast. Like a lot of people have, like, they were like, when I was a kid, I used to tell stories and I never realized I was doing it. So it's just so interesting because we all, we're all, you know, you know, the thing about creativity, everyone is creative as a kid and we, and it gets taught away. You get taught out of it because in school they say things like, don't, don't daydream, like pay attention. Yeah. And it's like, it's horrible. Yeah, it is. We get the child absolutely smacked out of us as we're growing up and kids don't give a shit about anything and they'll say what they want. They'll see it and say it and, and they'll just, you know, come up with these amazing things that you'd never even think of as an adult because it's been whacked out of us. We can't be kids. We can't be playful. And it's just, that's everything you need, isn't it? To be an actor. Exactly. Exactly. And just a creative in general, because Blind Boy, who's like a, a massive hero of mine who does a podcast, he was talking about, I was listening to an episode last week and he's talking about how like everyone should be a kid every day for like once a day. Like everyone should play with Lego once a day or just do something like, because we get taught to not be kids, like, we, you know, to be an adult quotation marks. You know what I mean? And it, I think it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. Secret Life. Is it Secret Life for year olds? Or five-year-olds on Channel Four, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But you just watch them and you just think, oh my god, what amazing, what amazing little people. And we grow up into these serious, boring adults that have to do this and conform to this. And yeah, be a kid. and just get real jobs, you know. Yeah, stop daydreaming. <laughs> get serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brogan, another question we ask a guest at the start is. Um, how did where you're from influence your creativity so you were you grew up was it Nottinghamshire you grew up in 
Yeah, so no man's land, I think it's called. <laughs> no, no, literally, no <laughs> I've never been. Yeah. No, it's uh, so we're outside of Nottinghamshire, so we're just sort of so I'm East Midlands, and people down south would say in England, down south would say, Oh, you're from the north, and people from the north in England will say, Oh, you're southern. So we're very like in the middle, like, you know, working class family and all that. So that's that's definitely influenced um, my writing. And as I was at the Screen Academy, I realised it more and more that, oh, you know, this is, you know, they talk about that, that voice, yeah. the writer's voice and your identity within your writing. And I really discovered that actually in the Screen Academy. And it is all through my dialogue. Every, where I come from, my family is all, it's all in my dialogue. No, but yeah, and my, I'm very family orientated. Absolutely. Like I've got my mum, single mum, working three jobs to bring me and my sister up. And uh, so that's very much in my writing too you know you'll I'll find myself writing you know write what write what you know and, and all that and it, no it, it absolutely I absolutely agree but I mean yeah. we'll, we got we'll come on to your writing stuff and talk more about it because like I think you very much do lean into your voice and I, I, from the stuff of yours I've read your short stuff and you know you're very much playing on you know what you know and I love that and writing I'm the same you've got to just write you know I, I'm not interested in big helicopter crashes and like action films I want to read like real you know more real life stuff does that sound pretentious no not at all not at all I think you know the the audience are really engaged I find myself really engaged when you see like real real stuff real people on tv and yeah it, it just gives people that reassurance that they're not alone and that, that people are feeling maybe how they're feeling or in this situation and they're not weird and all that, you know, you know, people get from stuff like that. So you, you said that where you're from was called No Man's Land. I think so. I read it somewhere. Like, That's quite interesting. I don't know why. I don't, because like, I think it's because I don't know if we're a bit forgotten, like the Midlands are a bit forgotten. It's sort of like the North and the South and then everyone in the middle is a bit like, who are you a lot? That might be completely wrong, but I did read it somewhere. But yeah, we're just I'm just from a little market town, really, in Redford. But I always mm. say Doncaster because no one knows where Redford is. Everyone knows where Doncaster yeah. is. Actually. I've heard of Doncaster. Yes. Ed Miliband's right. the MP of Doncaster, isn't he? Well, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> that's the only reason. I think that's that's the only thing I know about Doncaster. There you go. My very limited knowledge of it. Interesting place. Mm, yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> everyone always says they come from a shithole. Oh, I come from here. I come from here. It's a shithole. There's nothing there. I had to get out of it and all that. But, you know. Every place has got their shit souls. Um, yeah, that's true. But, you know. Everywhere's got nice parts and good parts, to be honest. Nice Everyone's parts and bad parts, I should say. Nice people and complete wankers. You know, you're going to get them everywhere. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Brogan, another question we like to ask people on the podcast is, do you have a favourite word or phrase from where you're from? Oh, no, I'm like, there's loads. You can say a few. Go word. just list some out if you want. Right, so we say... Because obviously I've been in Scotland now for about a year and everyone says hen here, like you are right mm-hmm. here. Back home it's duck. So I've got to be careful when uh, when I'm talking to people because sometimes I want to say call them duck or it's not even duck, it's not even D-U-C-K, it's D-U-T. So they say duck, like it's meant to be duck. But, but yeah, a up. Oh, do you know what? When I say I met I met a lady at work yesterday, right? And I couldn't work the, the self-scanning thing because I've got my discount card now. I'm a full-time employee. So I got my discount <laughs> card. I was trying to work it. I was like, oh, it's not working. Anyway, Sarah comes over and I, I heard her accent and you just know straight away, oh my God. And she then she went, where's your accent from? And I was like, Nottingham. And she went, yeah, Nottingham Derby, so am I. And then we had a really good conversation. And But it's just like you hear an accent, you know, when you live sort of where you're not from. And it's just like really nice. It's like, oh, I feel at home. Like A up, and if I hear A up, like my manager at work, he's also from Nottinghamshire, representing Nottinghamshire's representing straight in Edinburgh, right? But yeah, Dave, just like A up, and I'm just like, oh, home. Love Scotland though. I'm not leaving Scotland. It's stuck with me. <laughs> oh no, nah. We're blessed. <laughs> we're blessed to have you, Brogan. We're blessed to have you up here. So yeah, you're giving us a good selection there. So what what are you going to stick with then? You're going to go with A up then? Yeah, A up because it's just like one word, and it just takes me home. So A up. Fair play. 
Yeah. Do you have a favourite Scottish word, actually, from being up here? Is there any words you like? Right. What does Ken mean? Because I hear this all the time. It means I know. Is it so mean it's like, it means, no, it means you know. Like, so I'll be like, I Ken Elliot, the editor. So I, I know Elliot, the editor. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes. I just wanted to clear that up because I've been meaning to ask at work for ages and I'm, I'm hearing <laughs> Ken all over. Ken's my granddad. I'm just, I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There um, you go. Yeah. But no, a, a phrase I love from Scotland is what's for you. I don't know if it's from Scotland, but. What's for you won't go by you. I think that is a Scottish phrase. I might not be a Scottish phrase, but I I hope it is. But But anyway, it's a very good phrase. My gran says that. My gran would say that. What's for you will not go by you, son. I think Celtic phrases just just smash all the other phrases apart. I think you've got some really good ones. Uh, One of my favourites is, uh, if I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the window. That's a very Scottish phrase. Yes, yes. Yeah, I've not heard that in a while, but yes. I remember Keith Lemon saying that on his show. (laughs) I, I, the first time I heard that phrase was on the film Gregory's Girl, which is a great Scottish film, but I don't actually know where it if where it's from. I think it's a very West Coast Scottish word. But anyway, I'll um, move the conversation forward because we're just talking about words, which is all good, actually. That's what the listeners want to hear, Brogan. But, um, so let's come to your time, because you right, before you became a writer, you wanted to be an actor, didn't you? So like when you were... Oh. Talked about when you were 19. Sorry, am I bringing back painful memories? Honestly, my relationship with acting is the most complicated relationship Honestly, yeah. Well, let's about hear about it. <laughs> I might throw up and cry. Okay, right. So I never fitted into anything as a kid. Mum tried to make me like get me to do karate and all the things that you, you know, try and join in as a kid, socialise and all that jazz. And I wasn't, wasn't interested in any of it. Anyway, went to uh, secondary school, about 12 years old, and we had a drama studio. And I was like, oh my God. And we did like, it was a dingy little drama studio, dark and all that. And we sat in a circle and then I was just like, oh my God, I want to do drama. And I was hooked on it throughout school. And my teacher said to me when I was 16, I was going to leave. She said, try out for RADA. Didn't know what it was at the time. So then I went to college and did performing arts. And I just sort of between 16 and 18, my goal was to get into drama school. There was nothing else. Like there was literally nothing else. That's all I wanted to do. And it was a very traumatic time. I learned a lot of lessons. I learned the word no, as in no, thank you. See you later. So try again next time. Yeah, so I learned which how is to do very, objection. Very important. Yeah, because I won't lie, like 16 years old, I was a little bit of a shitbag, right? So I thought I was God's gift and all that. As you do sometimes as a younger age. And auditioning for drama school for four years really grounded me. And when I did eventually get in on my fourth year in Manchester, I worked my fucking ass off and I loved every moment. And I did really well. Because I only went for two drama schools. So some actors will go for several each year or whatever. But by my fourth year, I was like, right, I'm going to give it one more go. I'm going to go for the drama schools that I liked the last time I auditioned. And um, I was at Aldi at the time and I was on my till and I got an email and I rushed into the staff room and I got into Manchester. So it was like, I really remember that moment. And yeah, it taught me a lot and I've learned like a, a fuck ton. And it does stay with you like actors, it, you know, you go to drama school and it really just stay with you them three, four years of your life. You make friends for life. You can make enemies as well, but there we go. <laughs> um, like, honestly, you just learn, you learn so much. Whether you do anything with it or not, it's just something I just, I'm just so happy I've got it. Did you enjoy uh, it? Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's it's the centre of breakdowns because you've got to be like so open and vulnerable. Mm. As a writer, you can do that on the page, not in person, but as an actor, you're in person and you're giving, your, you're giving your all as, as an actual physical being, like your soul and everything in front of people. As a writer, you can sort of, hide behind your laptop and send emails and send your work away and close your eyes but as an actor it's like not it's it's different so I respect them for going through all the horrible auditions which they have to go through <laughs> oh absolutely we had an amazing um conversation with uh, an actor called Carol uh, last week who'd been at he's been acting for like 38 years and his episode came out today of the day of recording this obviously when this comes out it will be yeah 
episode 15 for listeners reference but um you know he, he spoke about acting and he'd been doing it for so long it was so interesting to hear his life and you know because very much is there's so much rejection there's so much you know there's lots of highs lots of lows so yeah I think being an actor must be a very like difficult thing to do and I think as you say you have to get used to learning the word no very from a very young age yeah and also what else it taught me which is really 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 valuable and I think people like any artist should should try and do this as soon as possible is when I left you sort of uh, you know when you're at sort of like these drama schools you leave and they don't really prepare for it I think that's something they could change they don't really Mm -hmm. prepare real world so you know you sort of like you know it's on the horizon and you're in this bubble throughout drama school yeah. this, is your drama bubble. This, this, is who you, this is what you're doing this day this day this day and then you leave and then that's that's not what they prepare you for they don't prepare you for the leaving part and what you're going to face really they sort of say yes and it's tough but people really struggle when they when they come from drama school and they, they, all sorts can happen mentally so I had to adjust to that and I had to go home and go back to my old job which was really, really mentally really tough. And so I had to go back to Aldi and I thought, you know, this is, I said to myself, this is my own fault. I left Aldi and I was too cocky. I thought, right, see you later, guys. Never going to see you. Back back to the job. Love the people there. Some of my best friends were out, like still at Aldi and stuff like that. But, you know, I went back and tell between my legs, like, oh my God, you know, I'm so poor and I'm not acting and all this. But I learned not to compare myself eventually to anyone else. And that's really nice. That's really, really nice. Yeah, no, it's so important. I think I, I think I talked about this on an episode with someone before, and I said that, like, I heard an amazing quote recently, which is, comparison is like creative kryptonite. And I thought, that is brilliant, because it's so true. I do it all the time. I'll go on Instagram, and I'll be like, oh, they'd written, like, a whole script today. I've written one. Do you know what I mean? It's so bad. So you do really have to get past, because social media, you're going to get people reminding you that they're an actor and that they're a writer every single day. And, it, you know, they're going to be posting this, that, and, it, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But then don't think you're any less of because you've not done this today and you've not done that. You can, you know, if I don't write for even a few weeks, I'm just like, well, you know, it doesn't make me any less of a writer. There was a writer, actually, I watched an interview. I won't say who. (laughs) He's quite a well-known writer, right? And he said, if you're not writing every day, you're not a writer. And I was just like, hold on. Um, No, that's not the case at all. That's something I really feel. And I think that's some, I've felt like really like a fraud sometimes. And like, I do feel like some, and then I've got to remind myself, I'm sorry, but not everyone is the same. And you can't write every day. Some days you just don't want to write and that's okay. You're allowed to have a day off. Unless you've got a paid job and you've got a deadline coming up, then just don't, then really don't beat yourself, don't beat yourself up about not writing. It doesn't mean you don't want to be a writer. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean this. People just go through different things. Just take it day by day. Even if you just write a page or a line. Yeah. Or interior, like put you in, close your laptop screen. That's fine. It is what it is at the end of the day. Just keep going. Yeah, and keep I think, swimming. Like Dora. I think Craig said brilliantly in his episode about writing that consistency is the best thing. Like, just, as long as you're writing consistently, I think it's fine. And consistency doesn't mean every day. It just means consistently, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't mean every day. And I think you do really have to be in love with what you're writing as well. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, it, it, it will just become a chore. You know, you might even hate it at some points, but you've got to be in love with your characters and your story. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> Yeah. You know, well, so. Brogan, what was the, the drama school you were at in Manchester? What was it called? Uh, Manchester School of Theatre. So when you were there, like, were you really, did you really enjoy the acting? Were you, like, doing a lot of plays? Like, do you do stuff on screen? Yeah, what was yeah. It really enjoyed it. It was really, really, it was really tough going. So, like, in your first year, you do do 12-hour days and stuff, and it's very mm. full on. And it, depending on what duty you've got, it can be very mentally draining. Some are more brutal than others. Some you'll get on with and some you won't. Yeah, and, and then you're mixing that with 29 other people. 
rolling around on top of each other and getting to know each other very quickly, very intensely and dealing things like that. And, and, and I'm, I'm happy I was a bit older. So I, I was just turning 22 when I got in. I'm kind of glad that I get, didn't get in at 18 because I definitely wasn't ready. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I had that little bit of, I'm glad I had the time to learn how to deal with rejection. And I think I can deal with it now a lot better than I probably would deal with success because I wouldn't know how, where to start with, with that. If I got my first big yes, I'd just be like, right. Yeah, no, it's that's a weird thing, isn't it? The success thing, because I'm not by any means saying I'm a success, right? And I'm not saying this podcast is like a success, but like it's been a lovely doing this podcast because we have had some quite positive feedback. And it's really weird when you get messages from people you'd never met before. Like when granddad passed away, I think a few people mentioned me, I didn't know. And it was, and it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely, but it was odd, like being like, I've never met you. And you're, do you know what I mean? So like, I'm worried that like, you know, the success thing must be weird. It must go to your head. It must go to some people's heads. So like, I'd hate being like a child actor or something. Oh God, that's the benefit, isn't it? Of having them, them notes, that rejection and the, not, not necessarily like the, the means to jump straight into things as you have that reminder of what it can be like the other side. I don't know. I think you probably appreciate it, it more as well. You probably appreciate the victories a lot more if you'd, if you'd had to really work for them. Yeah, definitely. So now at the moment, I've just set myself a goal, even if it's like a life goal, even if it just happens once in my life, I'll be happy is to write one big thing that people might talk about in years to come. And then I'll be I'll be happy. Even if it's just that, I'll uh, I'll be happy if they sort of, you know, if it pops up in drama schools, oh, we're going to read a script today it's by Rogan Thompson. We're going to study this line, this line, this line. I'll be like, right, my work's done. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very, very good ambition to have. And it's a very honest one as well. So yeah, fair play. Well, we never know. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so I'm yet to write, I don't really, I've not written films, like at the Academy, I wasn't, I was always TV, yeah. I've not got a feature, I've not even got a feature um, idea, I've got just shit well, on it. I TV tried stuff. to write a feature, as we talked about before last summer, and I'm still not recovered from it, and I've not read it back yet, and it totally drained me, but it was an, a good experience, and it probably <laughs> isn't. It probably isn't as bad a script as I think it is. I don't even think it is bad. I think this is just me. People have said they enjoyed it. It probably is, it has needs work, but um, yes, writing a feature is an, an interesting experience anyway. Completely, yeah, completely, completely draining. Um, and and I think I didn't want to. I sort of sent my major project off, and I didn't want to. Didn't want to read it for a while. I didn't want to hear anything. So yeah, it is. Oh, it's so draining, especially when you're completely in love with it. And then yeah. you know you've got to deal with actually it's not that good and covid going on in the background and other things going on it's difficult to you know to inspire yourself to get up every day and write that was a weird period eh? yeah yeah i think definitely and i think you know i've really learned as well is to put my ego aside so i think obviously we all ego otherwise we wouldn't do what we do we've got to believe in ourselves a little bit we may not have no confidence but there's got to be like a thumbnail of you know of belief and confidence in there to be able to write on the page or get up and do a, a monologue in any you know so I think but I think learning to put it aside as well like you've got to really you know like from the academy they were like think of your audience and why why yeah. are they going to love this story as much as you so I think yeah I think that's sort of on my mind a lot when I write like who's going to be invested yeah, in this and why why should, why should they care we, yeah why yeah, should yeah. they like give us their time sort of thing yeah exactly exactly I, I'm kind of lucky that I do have that that style of writing where it is very much what I know because I've been through everyone obviously goes through shit and stuff but it's just like picked up a lot of I'm quite an observant like an observer or whatever I don't know if that's <laughs> you know when you just like I just like I just like watching people not in a creepy way but I love watching and listening to people and I think I'm a bit of a I'm not very articulate in when I speak but when I write I can I can recall conversations that I heard ages ago and I can turn it into a, like a little a little story or something observant I think was so, the word you were looking for observant that's my <laughs> I was a proper sensitive kid as well I used to like I used to cry all the time and 
and stuff like that and things make me cry very easily so i think i've got quite a good empathy engine and all that yeah jazz, me too that's nice a good thing have. it is i think it really is that you, you know you've got to have that i suppose which is nice to have yeah it's, de- it's good too i love what- is there anything you'd watch recently what was the- do you remember the last film you watched that made you cry it's a good question isn't it well i've just finished it's a sin which obviously broke oh, me yeah. heard it's great oh, um, yeah. we'll get around to watching that oh my god it's just oh, such a such an eye-opener like Oh my god! Um, film-wise, I watched I watched The Darkest Hour the other night, and uh, really upset me that one of my favourite films actually, The Darkest Hour. I think The Darkest Hour is that it? Is the one which the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a good film. I enjoyed yeah, the performance. Did. Yeah, I think I I think I felt sorry. I just I just felt I just felt sorry for them all in there. So I just I was <laughs> crying away at that. Oh what? Oh, do you know what I watched? I love animation, and I watched The Good Dinosaur on Disney Plus. I was absolutely that as well crying my eyes out at the good dinosaur it was brilliant it was oh animation key to my key to my heart I love it so much i want to write a five minute animation yeah definitely I've, I've been watching i got disney plus on boxing day and so between the 26th of december i only got it for one month i'm like i've got too many subscriptions but so i watched like all the pixar films i hadn't seen yeah. except the last two cars films i'm not interested in them but i watched the rest yeah i've um i had like a little binging session whilst i could on there and but it's really good because the, the, you've got all the little mini documentaries about yeah. how they write stuff and create characters oh i recently we re- watched all of the wallace and gromit stuff Absolute oh, nice. masters arden yeah, yeah we, I, they're all on netflix i've watched all the wallace and gromit stuff and i felt honestly like 10 again or however old I was. <laughs> love that but, as a kid um, so good so good gromit that's it, cheese. We'll go somewhere where there's cheese. Cheese, Lancashire, Cheddar, Wednesday, Philadelphia, Tesco. Well, Brogan, I'm enjoying our very tangent conversation, but I was about to ask you before we started talking about what films he cried at. Like, so how did you, how did the journey into writing come about? Like, so you were doing the acting thing, you went back home, you're working in Aldi, and you feel like you a bit defeated so how do you get from there to the screen academy like what's the journey there well um so i was at aldi for a year and then i was like right i'm gonna move to manchester and i'm gonna try and be an actor again and, you know and i managed i managed to uh get a little small mortgage right in my break between <laughs> going home so i got a little mortgage mum was mum was literally like i want you to buy try and buy a house try and buy a house because i've rented all my life and i don't want you to do it so i thought right you know what why not but they got a little house in manchester transferred to a different aldi i was like oh my god <laughs> A whole new world. and then you know three months in I was like well fuck this I'm not happy you know not happy why am I not happy why can't I get happy I was just so frustrated and I think I've grown scared of the acting a little bit I think I've yeah. sort of developed a fear of it, sort of being thrown into this the real world or whatever and I just thought oh don't give up don't give up I could feel myself just like flipping away from it and I thought right I'm not happy I need to change things and my creative side was just absolutely dying so I wrote my own showreel that's how it started so my own little yeah. clip to show agents and stuff and I wrote it for me and my friend and we filmed it with this production company who were just starting out in Manchester the squad for productions I did that and then I sort of enjoyed writing the scene and I did another one and then I did another one and then before I knew it this is before the academy but before I knew it I had my own website and I was oh wow writing it for other people and yeah then I started getting paid for it and then it sort of like developed from there and and you know it was sort of just when I was starting out with that kind of like six months in I applied to the academy and got in there so I was three months in Manchester and then away to Scotland which is you know you know how it that's how it came about but my mum my moved to Scotland as well and soon my sister will be moving to Scotland we're all coming so yeah <laughs> 
So were you in Scotland before you applied to the Screen Academy or did you sort of come up for the Screen Academy? I came up, yeah, so I came up to study and then my mum moved in. She moved July 2019 Okay. and I just helped her move and then I was like, mum, I'm not happy. And she's like, I know you're not happy. So I thought, right, I'm going to have to change my life again. I'm going to have to try and eradicate this fucking emptiness that is just following me about. And then so I got into the to the screen academy here i am but yeah but i'm here i'm a lot happier you're in scotland that's great no and brogan i appreciate you being on really how honest you've been as well by the way can i just thank you for i mean not everyone would feel comfortable talking about how you know their mental health and stuff so openly so I applaud you for that as well. Mm. But yeah, obviously we know each other from the Screen Academy, which we've been talking about. And um, yeah, yeah. so how, how did you find the course? Oh, on the first day, right? Because I'd not, because it was such a last minute decision for myself. I got in, but I got nothing sorted. I hadn't got anywhere to live and I hadn't got a job and all that. And my mum was living in the borders. So I was traveling an hour and a half every day. Not every day, the two days, sorry, the two days a week was at the academy. <laughs> I was traveling an hour and a half, trying to find somewhere to park and all that because I'd not got anywhere to live. And on the first day, I was just like, Mom, I can't do it. I'm going to go back to Manchester. I'll, I'll just defer, Mom, I'll defer. And she went, No, she went, Just just try it, just leave it for a little bit, just try it, just try it out. And I'm so glad I listened to her because, you know, I was all ready for, on, the, on the very first day. I was so out of my comfort zone and um, we were sat down. I've been in a, an actor's environment, so I was used to being up and about and doing this, that, and the other. And then I came to do a writing course and it was sit down and you know sit down academic essays fucking life like it was so academic of course it was it was a master's in screenwriting but I was just like I can't do it I can do the creative (laughs) bit but I can't do the the whole thing I can't do the the market analysis like Jesus Christ like what (laughs) bloody hell was that so yeah it was it was it was fine taught me you know taught me shitloads so, um, and we got to finish our course online so at least we got to finish it online I feel I, I was really feeling for the physical sort of where you have to be like the, the film filmmakers shoot. you know yeah, like it's a shame yeah, yeah and um you know actors in training as well and just in general and they paid all this money obviously to to do it so. I know it's it's sad but like you know what I've, I've been really enjoyed and I've really embraced it in 2021 so far is like how everyone's adapted and all there's so much I mean I'm because I'm doing the podcast I'm getting to connect with all these new people I've never met and it's so exciting to see all these projects that are still happening and how people are doing things from home it's actually really inspiring so it is good that people are starting to do, be able to sort of take back a bit of you know because the arts are what are going to unite us again I, I believe anyway absolutely like oh my god and it's taken covid not this global pandemic for people to realize how important like art is generally like keep people alive because tv is sometimes the only thing that that a person may have so you know and they might that's what keeps them going especially when they're on their own you know it's like every time that distant family member says things like are you gonna get a proper job what what are you doing with your life you know it's a mickey mouse course the arts are you know what i mean i'm like do you watch netflix do you have a netflix subscription honestly i'm just like guys come on um and my granddad really wants me to be a manager in a supermarket um so he really wants me to get a proper real 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 job and you know i'm very lucky because my family have always been very supportive but my granddad's like you know what are you going to do for money i'm just like um i don't know 2021 i've just become a stripper and i'm joking i (laughs) I mean to be fair though it's a very valid concern like i do understand people who can't feel they don't want to be in the arts because it's not financially secure and people some people need that stability and comfort and I totally respect that because it is quite a stressful industry to be in sometimes you know you do have those days you're like have I got enough money in the bank (laughs) yeah you you are literally like you know some are working most a lot are working you know 
three jobs, full-time jobs, whilst doing this career on the side, unpaid, as they get experience, being treated like shit, being said, no, you're shit, you're this, you're that. And I, I realised this on the short films, just as like a runner, like the ADs, the directors, producers, just like, oh my God, they work so hard and long hours and this has all been behind stuff screen i was on the other side so i was just like oh my god and they're not even getting paid there's no guarantee of a job here but they're still doing it because they're passionate about it yeah um so it's the passion's what keeps me going i think the passion i think that that keeps a lot of people going and i think it does get you really far actually i think if you're just passionate and and driven you can go amazing places it's just keeping hold of that because it can easily go out and so it's really hard to like Sometimes you have to really keep stoking that fire, if you will. Yeah, definitely. And if you ever feel like shit, just go on um, Google. This is what I used to do. (laughs) And just be like, um, actors who struggled, or not even actors, writers, whatever you want. And it'll come up with a list and all the stories. And you just think, you know, Morgan Freeman or something like, I don't know, I'm going to get this wrong, but 56, was he, when he got his first role? Judy Dench, actors who were listening, Judy Dench, it took her six times to get yeah. into drama. Ricky that's Gervais really do, was yeah. like 41, I think, when The Office came out. And that's what launched his career, so. Yeah, and Steve Carell, I think he was around the, the, the same age. It is what it is, but you've got, you've got to keep going. Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little as much as you wish. You can access this by going to www patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show well brogan i've got some fun writer questions to ask you now oh my god i'm so excited that's right so the first one is how did being an actor how did that how has that influenced your writing so do you think about writing differently because you've been on the other side of it as an actor yes i think so i think it's inevitable if you if you're on both sides you know mm. uh, so with, with the showreels and stuff it's really helped me writing people showreels so i'll get them to send in a cv a spotlight link or whatever they've got and even if it's just a photo just so i can get some idea and can hear their voice as well mm-hmm. hearing people's voices really helps me write so i i really do have to hear their voice and sort of put myself in their situation maybe like as an actor and stuff like that not necessarily that they're going to do it this way in that way but it has it really it really has you know like how yeah. they may speak and the tone and the pace does yeah i talk to myself as well like i'll, I'll always I'll, i've always spoke t- talk to myself a lot i'll have full-blown conversations with myself and that's <laughs> how i get my dialogue that's honestly how i get my dialogue i'll just um i've done it since being a little boo just like the kid just talking to myself because I had no mates, so I had to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if it worked, then that's good. <laughs> your your dialogue is good. I I like your dialogue. When I read your short stuff, I, your dialogue stands out. So yeah, no, I love it, and it's one thing that I had to learn when I went to school academy because they were like, no, no dialogue, less is more. I had to rein it in when I went to the academy because I was just like dialogue this and monologues there and blah blah blah, and then they were like, no right, no dialogue, one one minute films and all this. I was like, all right, okay. That was really good for me. That was really good. It is good for you. Like, so it was so good for me. But um, I love dialogue. 
Always will. But, uh, you know, I do love a good pause. I love a good bit of silence and all that yeah. as well. So, yeah. No, I'm kind of similar to you in that way because I think I think we both maybe have a background in theatre, which has uh, played a factor. But I think, like, I, I love dialogue. I always write dialogue heavy. But I think learning how to use visual is very important if you want to be a screenwriter. And it's something I'm still learning. It's my weakest point. So I'm still trying to learn really how to write visually and, you know, because le- less yeah. is more. It is true. Less is more. Absolutely. And I was, um, I've sort of been, I've been watching, like, um, lectures and stuff online just to rejog my memory and stuff like that and reading scripts as well like obviously that's a bit of a standard read as many scripts as you can and um, but you'll find that there's this rule book with, with screenwriters is don't do this and don't do that and a lot of it's bollocks like you know as long as as long as your format is standard industry and you tell a good story you can whack in there and people like it you can yeah. just whack in what you want like I've, I've really like I'll put little things in that little side notes for the even for the actor that's still part of the story but like not it wouldn't be something that I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like Sally Wayne might has it in um, her script. They, they almost put the actor's thoughts, like the the character's thoughts, within the within the story. So like yeah. side note, I don't know. No, I like that. I like yeah, when I read a script and they do something a bit different because it stands out. Sometimes you're like, I like that. Yeah. Well, another question I have for you, Brogan, about screenwriting is if you could have written any film from history, right? Any film that's existed in the past that you love that you could have written, what would it be? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay. Um. Oh. I don't know. I don't know what would I, what what film do I absolutely love. Tell you what, I was absolutely traumatized as a kid uh, from watching Black Beauty. I think it's been redone quite a lot as well, but I think I'd have a go at Black Beauty. Yeah. But maybe I'd replace it with a, a dog. <laughs> <laughs> a new life begins. Black Beauty is born. A famous horse whose story is loved and remembered in the hearts of millions. He's a beauty, isn't he, Dad? Hey, he is. He's mine. My beauty. You love your dogs, don't you? That You're like really oh, passionate. He's my absolute life. He's who I'm going to write the animation about. Oh, I'm really nice. Passionate about. You should. Yeah, so the animal welfare stuff, is, is that's, um, that's what I want to, that's my next project as a writer, really. I'm going to do a five-minute short animation on um, lockdown animal cruelty in terms of dog thefts and abandonments and all that, which it sounds really sad, and it sort of is, but it'll be hopefully an eye-opener through animation. But yeah, that's what I want to do. No, uh, you should. Uh, that, that's brilliant, Brogan. We can, if you want, we can link uh, if there's any charities about animals and stuff that you're really passionate about. We will link them in the show notes for you because I know that's a big part of oh, you. Yes, it absolutely is. I think yeah, all the dogs are getting stolen. So any dog owners out there, yeah, just be really vigilant because it's really, really high because it's demand's so high in lockdown. So yeah, yeah, sad. Yeah. Brogan, on a, on a brighter note, I have another question I have, and this is one that we're quite a popular question. A few people have, have wanted me to ask writers because we asked Craig about it and people enjoyed his answers. So what's your sort of writing routine like? So how do you like? What's your if you're having a day say writing a script? How do you go about it? See, I'm not really naughty because I, um, through studying, people have said, right, stay away from your laptop for as long as possible. Do as much research and all this and all that jargon. But I don't. I just, I just write dialogue. I write what comes to my head and I'll go back over it. I'll go back over this scene and I'll write another scene and I'll go back over that scene and then I'll carry on. And, you know, eventually I will get stuck because you do need to know where your story is going to go. So it's not as easy as just going, I'm going to write this third. But I do generally just sit and I'll talk to myself a lot. And if I do need to, if I'm unsure about something, I will research it, of course. And then I'll just go straight back to, it's really the dialogue. The dialogue really gets me through. That's really what motivates me as as a writer. Mm -hmm. It's just dialogue. And obviously I, I adore people. I love people from all walks of like. Oh, that sounds a bit wanky, doesn't it? But you know no, what I mean? Like, um, it's just 
it just like it just really really motivates me like because I know I know that when I write I'm just like I really want someone relate to this I suppose yeah no without sounding really pretentious right I I think because one of my directing heroes is Richard Linklater right and he's a he's he's referred to as a humanist director and writer and I love that term and I feel like I'm probably a bit that's what I'm trying to be anyway and I feel like you probably are a bit as well like you're very much you're a humanist writer in the sense that you love people and you're trying to put the real ordinary mundane stuff that a lot of people think why would you write about that you're trying to put that on screen and I, I think that's great well Caroline Ahern she changed comedy by doing it she was way before her time wasn't she because so she she did um, the royal family yeah. and it family watching tv what's so interesting about that and then look what she did with it and now we've got gogglebox you know it's yeah. sort of birthed from her and gogglebox is loved all over now when i watch celebrity gogglebox i think it's boring <laughs> i much prefer the the normal you know the normal everyday people you know that normal's a weird word isn't it it is it's a, it's a silly word isn't it no one's normal we're all weirdos yeah we are massive weirdos i don't even know what normal is but uh, don't be normal i have one last screenwriting question for you which is yeah. who is your screenwriting influences who's you who do you look up to do you know what i'm really bad at this question i have to go back every now and then and write down i might actually have to check my notes because i do put in <laughs> what i really like uh screenwriters no well you know i, I love sally Wainwright's stuff she's a biggie for me just again because it's dialogue happy well. valley is good happy valley is amazing i watched it about four times i'm not very good at pulling them from the top of my head like i know you're okay that's no, fine like, don't worry um, it's like when somebody asks you what music do you like and you're like eh because you know you love music but i'm like what music do i like again and i totally forget sometimes and i'm like why are you forgetting something you're so passionate about but i love like um so, so I, was looking, I was looking at like animations and stuff and i love animation right it's like you know just stuff like the incredible Incredibles, this huge animation. I love those writers because it's so funny. And oh, I'm a really, I'm quite a big fan of American sitcoms. So like mm. the US Office and Modern Family, I'm just completely hooked to. So writers like that, because I really, love, I love stupid stuff as well. Like I'm, I go from one thing to the other. So I love drama. I love the the kitchen sink stuff. Like oh my god, our family's falling apart. I love all <laughs> that stuff. But then you know, I do love the stupid Dwight Schrute humor. That is just. Yeah. And Faulty Towers. I'm a huge fan of Faulty oh, Towers. Oh, I love Faulty Towers. The slapstick of all that. Um, I do really want to write a play on that. Not yeah. on Forty Towers, but that sort of like, like slapstick farce. Yeah. You don't really see it anymore. You don't really no, see that old. No, you don't. Have like you that. ever seen What's Up, Doc? Oh, it's ringing some bells, but I don't think I've seen it. It's from the 1970s great film, Barbara Streisand's in it. It's, it's a great farce film. You should watch it if you get a chance. You, I think you'd really like it. If you like Forty Towers, you'll love that. Right. Yes, I will. Uh, I'll give it a give it a wee watch. Definitely. Well, Brogan, something else we ask that everyone that comes on the podcast is, what's the worst part-time job you'd ever had? Um, oh my God. Right. Um, it's probably when I was um, waitressing, because we all know I love supermarkets. I've been in the mall. Supermarket for life. Uh, <laughs> um, waitressing when I was younger, because I was young. I didn't know what I was doing. And you know, the chefs were very mean. And the customers spoke to you like shit because you were young and I was a woman and all that jazz. I was just a young girl. Let's speak to her like shit. Why not? So probably those, like the, the waitress the waitress side of things. Oh God, I can't even tell you. I don't even know if you can like. <laughs> you don't have to name them, but like you don't have to name them. Don't worry. Right. So this chef, I was probably 14, 15 at the time. It was this little crappy restaurant around the corner from my house. And this mash, the chef was like a huge sex pest, right? Jesus. Like, honestly, it was it was really bad. But I had no idea until I was like much older. It's not good. This isn't going to go into like a really deep dive. Sorry, but he um he made a penis out of the out of a tea towel. <laughs> not joking. He said what? he said something to me, and 
he made this like penis shape out of the tea towel and they said something and then he like he moved his fingers and it sort of like came up <laughs> what the- like, honestly it's so weird he was such a weirdo he's such a weirdo but that's probably my, wow. my weird time job yeah that sounds bad I hope, I hope it wasn't too bad for you honestly it was so bad it's so the animation ratatouille yeah the chef, you know the big like the big chef in that i can't remember what his name gusto yeah he was like him same <laughs> same like body and everything just obviously an absolute twat he was basically like a pervy version of gusto yeah yeah <laughs> yeah he was he was the most pervy oh what an arsehole but yeah that was my, my worst one pervy gusto, gusto yeah whatever. jesus well that certainly sounds like an experience well brogan thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to us well we always finish the podcast by asking our guests do you have any tips and advice you would like to offer to anyone who maybe wants to get into screenwriting wants to be an actor or just wants to get into creative industries in general who's maybe at the start of their career or at the same point as us because i think we all have valid things to say yes so just remember that there's no one rule for anything you're going to get a lot of advice and a lot of tips and this off tutors and and all sorts of people you come across trust your identity trust your individuality as an actor writer artist um if something doesn't sit right with you then you know just keep going put your ego aside learn how to deal with the word no and don't compare yourself yeah, yeah. you'd summarized everything we talked about in this episode brilliantly i think that's the best way somebody's ever summarized like you've managed to capture the four main themes that we sort of just you talked about which were very well yeah. so well done yeah. for that i uh, just to come back to one thing before we uh, before we wrap up you were talking about how like there's no rule for and i think that's so important and it's something we haven't actually talked about on the podcast before but especially for writing there's a lot of people say you have to write like this do you know what i mean yeah. oh, no absolute bullshit and yeah. you know you, as you're starting out you're going to have to go through that bullshit you know, pick up all the tips and tricks of the trade and all that. But then your individuality can can come out and you can yeah. just make way and you can say, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do this. And, you know. Exactly. Because I've got a really interesting book I got years ago called Isles of Noise. It's more about music, but it's about, it's 27 interviews with like 27 very famous musicians. So you've got people like, I think Ray Davis from the Kinks, Noel Gallagher's in there. I'm totally, my mind's totally blank for who's in there, but loads of like very, very famous British artists are in that book. I think Jarvis Cocker's in it, you know, loads yeah. of people. And it's 27 different styles of how they approach writing songs and every single one's different and all 27 of them are absolute geniuses, absolute like musical legends in their own right. So it just shows you like everyone is different and and you should celebrate your individuality. Absolutely, you know, and when you're studying as a writer, you're going to be talking about outlines and treatments. You should do this before you start writing. So that, you know, the Russell T Davis who did It's a Sin I've just watched an interview with him um, he doesn't do any of that you know granted he's won awards and he can get away with it that's the problem when you're starting out you know if, you, if you're not quite an A you're going to have to stick by the rules a little bit until you yeah, play you know, the game play the game a bit be patient have compassion and be passionate and you'll be fine yeah. you'll be fine oh, that's absolutely bro. well Brogan thank you for your insight thank you for your time I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure the listeners will too oh my god I haven't told you all <laughs> <laughs> haven't at all hope you enjoyed this week's episode of just get a real job i would like to thank brogan once again for coming on chatting to us i really enjoyed our conversation remember if you liked anything brogan had to say to check the notes below the podcast we'd also linked in a few animal charities as promised to brogan Uh, she's asked me to remind you guys that her website is currently undergoing some maintenance but it should be back up and running in the not so distant future but yeah as always if you're enjoying the podcast remember to tell your friends and family uh, shares on social media word of mouth is how we're gonna grow and yeah let's keep growing this and if you can also afford the price of a cup of coffee the price of a pint per month to donate to our patron page that would be 
very, very helpful and we'd be very grateful. Uh, and the link to our Patreon is also in the show notes. As always, listeners, we'll be back again at the end of the week of another episode of Just Get A Real Job and stay safe. Just get a real job.